Hi, welcome back to Chasing Tone Summer Nam Edition. I'm Max. I'm Anthony. <laughs> I'm Brian. And Vaughn Scow. See, I got this. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's got to edit it out. Anyways, Brian has all the questions. I'm just doing I the do. intro, so. And we're getting it Brian. in real time from Facebook, which is cool, right? So, well, first of all, before I get into questions, like, let's talk about, like, Vaughn and. And Introduce yourself. Stevie here. Yeah. What do you Stevie. do? Then? Stevie, tell us about what you're doing. Well, my name's Anthony Stauffer, and I run a site called Texas Blues Alley. And he I've likes been uh, called Stevie. <laughs> you might have known it as Stevie Snacks from 2007 to 2014, but uh, it is now called Texas Blues Alley. Is that hard to change your name? How much time do we have? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> we met, have we limited in our time here? Because <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a big change. I'm not gonna lie, but it's uh, going well now, and uh, you guys have been. Good in terms of wearing the shirts that so, I sent you. Yeah, so I mean, you, know, you do demos and stuff online, like on YouTube. Yeah. So my business is doing yeah. courses. Right. But as a gearhead, I uh, do a thing called Tone Tuesday, and I do. Um, I've done a fair amount of demos of your pedals. I've also done some amp stuff and pickup stuff as well. So. And you teach blues licks. Yeah, well, I'm one of those annoying guys who learned a lot of stuff from Stevie Ray Vaughan. So for the first seven years, that's mostly what I focused on. But right. Texas Blues Alley is more about Tex the Texas Blues sound in a wider sense. So I do gotcha. Freddie King, BB King, Johnny Winter. Even did some uh, Jimmy Vaughan a couple weeks ago. Did you? So, so uh, cool. That's good. Yeah. So, so that's enough about me. Yeah, that's telling. Totally just just put the microphone down and walk yep. away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vaughn, and, and you have. You make incredible pickups. You make incredible tube amps. Everybody should know who you are if they don't. But let's let's assume no one knows who you are. So tell us a little bit about yourself and you know, who you know why your pickups are great. Why the stuff you're doing is is I'd call it fairly groundbreaking and, and quite unique. Yeah. Well. Cool. Thanks. And <laughs> and you're right. Nobody knows who I am. So no, no that's not but, true. That's not true. But that's okay because uh, you know. We have a nice little life here. I'm, I'm a, I like to call myself an adopted native Nashvillian. I've been here for 30 years now. This is, this is my chosen hometown. Um, but when I fell off the turnip truck from Minnesota in 1985, my first deal is uh, I spent a lot of time in Nashville as an engineer and a producer. Um, actually had studios in Nashville all through the, uh, the mid-80s and the 90s. Was on the road with uh, with Axe as a guitar player and as a front of house engineer the kind of the big touring acts of that right. time period um, and and the whole time you know where my heart is really at is in fact guitar tone I moved to Nashville thinking I was one you know one hell of a guitar player man right. because in you know in rural Jackson Minnesota I was you You're know I was it, I right? was killing it babe. <laughs> um, in Nashville you really learn where the bar is at man right. and it's like somewhere way up there um, and and so now I you know I realistically consider myself a passable you know like club gigging guitar player and right. and and let other people wear the mantle of the super pickers right. um, but but my deal has always been tone um, and what you've been in, that's what you kind of all that, gravitate to. That's I mean that's your focus. That's where I'm at is is guitar tone. That's why I've been a part of the Warehouse Guitar Speakers family now yeah. for almost since the beginning. Right. Um, that's, and you do a lot of their blog. Or you, I know you used to write a lot of the blog stuff. I, I write all the still still do all the blogs for Warehouse Guitar Speakers. I, I answer almost all of the Q and A questions 
on the forum because I've got in my studio at home I've got all the speakers set right. up I have this fantastic collection of like literally over a hundred different amplifiers you know people on the on the warehouse guitar speaker forum always you know they'll write in and they'll say something like you know I've got this weird ass you know amp what speaker will sound good with it and when I go back and go oh well actually I really like you know the whatever on that they you know everybody's right. like do you really have all of those amps <laughs> yes <laughs> um, and it's great because uh, the speaker connection gives me an excuse. So right. every time I drag a new amp home, I tell my wife, hey, I've got a reason to have this. It's a business expense. People are <laughs> going to ask about this amp, and I need to know what it really is. Right. Um, so uh, so that's been part of the deal. That's why I'm a fan of yours and what you got going on. You know, we're, we're all this, right. this tone chaser thing. Right. And, uh, and that led me back to, believe it or not, man, in 19, oh, God, 78... I made my first humbucking pickups for me and the bass player in my band at the time, a guy named Dave Ellison, who went on to found Megadeth. Right. Um, and armed with, you know, with like butcher tools practically, I hacked humbuckers into me and Dave Ellison's Stratocasters. Huh. Right? I mean, that's where this whole thing started for me way back when, when I was 14 years old. Um, and I've, you know, I've made pickups and done custom wines and pickups all those years since. It's only been in the last few years that I realized that there is a place for me to market my own, you know, Vaughn Scow branded pickups. That's right. what I'm doing now. Right. Cool. Awesome. Very cool. So you're probably wondering what I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I drink too much. I sweat a lot. You yawn? Me occasionally. Too. You yawn occasionally. Yeah. I know a little about guitar and I eat Brian's food. Yes, you do. Take it away, Brian. And you, what are you we talking about today? Card. And I do use this credit card, true. It has my name on it. That's we all Christmas use your credit card. <laughs> so what's what's the coolest things you guys have seen in the M so far? Definitely Wampler pedals. I've been there the whole time. I, was gonna say. I, I just can't get away. From you should have phrased that question. What's the only thing that you've yeah. seen? Since Wampler pedals. <laughs> oh, and the food truck. That's not very good though. You guys have been walked around more than more yeah. Than so have. two of my favorite things so far. One of them was called the Gaff Gun, and it's a you have to look it up. It's a it's a tape roller thing that you load it with a roll of gaffers tape, and it can take up to seven mic cords that are laid out across the floor. And you just you push the little caddy roller across the floor. It gathers up the cables and lays down the gaffers tape on top oh. of it like magic. And then the other thing was called the um, guitar backbone or something like that. It's like an aluminum plate that goes on the back of a guitar uh, to complete the resonance circle from the neck through the tremolo block or whatever. And uh, I was a little skeptical when I first played it, but he has he's smart about this. He has two identical guitars, one with it and one without. Doesn't require any modifications other than taking off the, the, the bolt on plate right. and putting this on instead. And uh, it was like night and day difference. So I can't wait to it's like 50 bucks or something can, like can that. Can you feel it resonate without an amp? Yeah, so when you, you can tell a difference playing the guitar without and with it without even plugging in. Right. I mean, it's like a completely different guitar. Now, how that translates to what it sounds like going through an amp, I don't know yet because it was too loud for me to hear. Right. But it's like, um, I think the most expensive one, which is for a telly and has different metal type inserts, is like $70 or something like that. So if it's as good as it felt then that is a substantial upgrade for the money. So I can't wait to try it out. So those are two of the coolest things that I've seen so far. What about you, Vaughn? I'm an amp guy. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I also will be covering this for Vintage Guitar Magazine, yeah. and I can see the headline already. It's, it's already like, you know, Summer Nam 2015. 
amps are big, especially when they're small. Um, and that's you know, and that's what I see going on out here. Right. Um, you know, I'm a tube amp guy. I build tube amps. I you know, I worship at the altar of the flowing electrons. You know, word on I mean? the street is that you own a couple amps as well. Yeah, I own a couple. <laughs> I've and, heard that. But um, quilter amps here. Mm-hmm. You know, in their like stupidly lightweight Class D stuff, is rocking my world so much that as we were talking earlier, man, I think I'm going to have to have one. I mean, that's how much I'm excited about them. Right. And there's a few other amp companies here that have got some really cool stuff. Of course, like Fuchs, and, and that's really cool. Marshall's got some new stuff here that is so cool, man. It's got me salivating, you know, because um, I am an amp guy. So I love the amps. There's some other more experimental stuff that I've looked at mm-hmm. that. Um, one, I forget what the transistors are, but it's some new transistor that, like, has just been developed. You know, it's not a... Really? Yeah. I haven't seen that at all. Oh, well, you'll have to check it. Yeah. You have it's to, one you have, of those. You have to point me, point it's one of those. Me. This is first year, right, right, for it. And so, like, the quilter stuff, I remember when I first saw the quilter stuff at NAM like, four years ago, I was like, I'm going to keep my eye on that. Right. Well, this is like that. It's kind of like... I'm going to keep my eye on that. Have you noticed that there's been a lot more talk about quilter stuff just in the past year or so because i don't oh, remember yeah. the, i mean i've like you i've blow, heard about them a while up, yeah. but it seems like over the past year i've seen that name and people talking about it a lot more i mean maybe it's just that once you know about something you start to notice it more i but. don't know if it's maybe the, the combination with axe effects getting more prominent and then right. you know the quilter stuff and the kemper stuff yeah you know, you know i mean like everything yeah well, we, <laughs> we, you know, Pat. For, Max is like, well, I'm, I'm, not yawning. I'm, I'm not yawning. I'm not. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be serious here, guys. We're on. We're on level three M. I'm way so, overweight, and it's way hot because heat rises. It's physics. Yeah. it's not my fault. It's science that I'm so freaking sweaty right now. Right? Way to draw attention to it. Maybe self-conscious. So, so meanwhile, on the, the sweat can. We're kind of a boss. Yes, about on the topic of sweat. Um, let's talk sweat. So, uh, no, no, it, it, yeah, anyway, the quilter stuff is cool. And, you know, Pat goes way back. He's been building amps literally longer than I've been alive, which he doesn't look that old. But, you know, and he started QS. Well, at least 30 years. Yeah, yeah at least 30 years. He, he, he started QSC, you know, the power amp company. That's a great company. shopping network, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, so he's been around a long time. The other, you know, for me, um, and, you know, and I understand there's, there's some interesting value here that we won't get into, but I loved talking to Hartley PV. Yeah, um, that's right. You're talking about, about that. About, yeah. you know, about because I had never met Hartley before, you know, knew his, his reputation and his whole deal, and he's a real country boy. You know, he's right. a southern, you know. And, uh, you know, he had all these great quotes that I love, like, you know, like, I don't want no goddamn yes men around me. I do what I want. And, you know, and <laughs> stuff like that. And I'm going, you know, this is the real deal. Right. But then we started talking, you know, tube designs and different models of tubes and biasing and capacitors and filter caps and all of that kind of stuff. And I realized, man, this guy is the real deal. And he told me he went to his first NAMM show in 1955. Wow. And I'm going... That's you before know. the internet. <laughs> that's, for, yeah, that's before. Yeah, that's before. Exactly. They had NAM then. They had electric guitars. That's that was before Vietnam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the this, line. There's the best there line go. yet. Man. Before Vietnam. Yeah, the Vietnam show. <laughs> Got our title. But so that so that was really fun for me. Um, you be, said they have some new amps that they're. You know, PV also had this. They're they're like 6505 head. That's like the metal head that actually is pretty darn popular in the metal world. Yeah. They've got the little like sort of lunchbox version of it, 
25 watts with a pair of EL84s, you know, scalable down to one watt. That's right. all the, you know, I don't know if you right. noticed, but man, that's all over the show now. Right. It's like, as guys like us are getting a little older, and PA systems are getting bigger and more yeah. capable, you know, you're seeing less and less of the big heavy stuff and more of the little stuff. So they got this little miniature 6505. You know, it's got all the bells and whistles, right? You can actually defeat the power amp section, use it as a preamp, plug headphones okay. in, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and they also have, and you know, PV actually has their own little room here, so you can actually listen to the stuff and it's not so loud. I listened to that a little bit, and it sounds great. Um, they also have a little miniature, you know, kind of lunchbox head version of the of the classic 30 called the right. classic 20. Also a pair of EL 84s, you know, voiced Tweety. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to listen to it. You know, here in Nashville, actually, the classic 30s have a good rep. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of touring guitar players that, that play classic and 30s. It really is a great amp. So, so I think that little, and the head's cute as heck, you know, it's yeah. tweed, it's, it's just the right size. Um, so that kind of excited me as well. I, I mean, I looked at that and I said, I can, especially in Nashville, I can see that being really popular. Right. Well, cool. Yeah, I haven't seen much except from the door to the booth. I saw there's some mandolins, <laughs> there's a coffee stand. Yeah, hey, terrible and some picks. And a few good, and a few good players, <laughs> too, yes. here and there. There was um, a guy, uh, Gil, Gil B. Vince, is it Vincent? Vincent Gill? I think so. Mr. Vincent Price Gill. Mr. Vince Gill, we love you. (laughs) Yeah, he can play. So we we talked a little bit about this gal, Dominic Ruiz, who just stopped by your booth. She's a new new Nashville telly gal. She's been in town a couple years. Um, She's got a partner called, and and their duo is called Dixie Jade. They got a publishing deal. They've been opening up for major acts on big stages. And uh, the word in Nashville is that you know that they're the next big thing. I've been in Nashville long enough to know that that means very little. But I will say she's a cool gal, cool player, um, and it was great to hear her play a little bit more and get to know her a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Phil, Phil X actually came out. I saw well. your picture. Yes. Yeah, That's Phil awesome. X came by, and he's exactly what you see on camera. Who is the uh, super cool guy? The uh, the young. Daniel Donato. Daniel Donato. If you guys haven't seen that clip of him playing, there was a clip circulating YouTube of Daniel Donato playing. I forget how long ago it was, but he's at some club, and he's doing stuff on there. I mean, I don't know anything about country guitar other than that it looks impossible. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I've watched all of the Danny Gatton stuff that I can find everything. Just just look for it. It's probably the most viewed clip of Daniel Donato on YouTube, and it's right. it's unbelievable. So. He's an unbelievable player. Yeah. yeah so so scary, good to mad. Scary good. Yeah. <laughs> I hate those guys. Yeah, I know. Come on. Jeez. So do you have topics that have people ask, been asking I questions? I do. I do. Let's see Let's see what they're asking. Because I don't right. know much, but I'm right good at now. making my, up answers my, that's on the spot. That's a big phone you have. <laughs> yeah, I'm overcompensating. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, okay. Here's a question. What's, uh, what is the one pedal that you keep sneaking into your setup, even though, like, the traditional tone world scoffs at you? This is, <laughs> this is from a guy named Bat Dan Casey. Interesting. He said his is the Boss Mega Distortion. I've got two. Okay. So, okay. The, so this is a pedal that you'd be a little maybe embarrassed yes. to admit that you love. A little love, flat black spray paint. Yeah. It stays on your board. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've got two. You ready? Yep. Okay, one, I'm a fan of the Digitech Bad Monkey. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. That's a, good one. a lot I of people love that pedal. Looks terrible on your board. It's this right. ugly green color. It actually literally has a picture of a monkey on it. Right. But it's a great Tube Screamer Overdrive, right? Yep. 
and, and around Nashville, they're at pawn shops for like 10 bucks everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like literally you can throw them in your gig bag, and, and if they don't make it home, you just go, okay, I just gave somebody a bad monkey. Right. And the other, <laughs> the other one that I like, God, what is it? It's the Boss. I think it's called the ODS-1, which is their DS-1, and they're, you know, they're overdriving mm-hmm. their distortion in one pedal. Mm-hmm. Again, it looks like those old... It's a yellow one, right? Is it yellow? Yes, it is. It's yeah. yellow. You're right. Is it the one you can blend between the two? You blend between the overdrive and right. the distortion. Again, they're, you know, they're stupidly available all over. They're cheap. They look just like all those old right. boss pedals. Again, you know, you kind of hate to have anyone see it on your pedal board, but yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool pedal. Right. What, what's yours? I honestly, well, I have a lot of your pedals. <laughs> so basically, yeah, basically, but we're basically talking, all of them. We're, we're, we're talking the ones you don't want anyone to know about. Oh, right, right. I forgot the question. No, honestly, being uh, somebody who occasionally demos pedals, uh, my collection is a little out of control. And being that I'm, whenever I'm playing, I'm usually doing it in the context of doing a lesson. So my board is not my board the way that it is for people who play out a lot because I'm picking what, what I think works best for that lesson. Right. So honestly, I have lost track of everything that's that I have. I think probably the least likely pedal that I've used that I loved was an older model Nobles ODR-S. Um, oh yeah. And the ODR the yeah. ODR one is nice, but it doesn't have the three band tone control. So when I started Stevie Snacks in 2007, the ODR-S, the, I had the green. No, there were two different models of it. And I I forget which one I had, but. I used that on a couple of demos, and um, I mean, it was a good, it felt cheap, but it sounded good. And uh, I think I got it for like $50 or something like that. So that's probably the cheapest, most unlikely pedal that I've used and loved. We did did a run of uh, pedals called called the Underdog. Okay. It's based off that circuit. It's a great circuit. I I don't know why. It's so hard Are to get under- a hold of their stuff. And but. the underdogs aren't being made anymore? No, uh-uh. Okay. No, that was a pedal that, and this was back in 2008 or not, maybe 9, 2010 or so. That, We're rooting uh, for it to make a comeback. Well, I, I had a friend that had yeah, cancer. And yeah. uh, you got it. she couldn't didn't have any up. insurance, couldn't afford to pay for <laughs> her health care. So I'm like, you right know what, let's, let me just make this pedal. And all the money that we make from it, I'm just going to give directly to you. And uh, our Nova's, we give it directly, we put it in a fund that went to the the hospital. Yeah. So, yeah, we made, I think we did 200 of them maybe all together and didn't make a dime off it. I mean, it actually, it literally cost cost money to do it. And now they're rare collector's items. Well, yeah, and the thing is, I mean, her her cancer actually, they were able to contain it and and, uh, now she's free. So, so you can now say, that's your new marketing slogan, Brian Wampler cures cancer. Uh, <laughs> so I want to have it anymore. We cannot confirm or deny that, but legally we have to deny it. <laughs> what about uh, embarrassing pedals that you love? I hate to admit it, I picked it up recently. It's the uh, Dan Electro chicken salad vibe. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? It was like, I found yeah. it 20 bucks. Like It was like NOS, like, you know, new old stock. Like some guy had it in a box. Oh. It had the original Dan Electro 9 volt battery. In it. We don't know. We don't know this one. guy. Oh, it's a mini one. Oh, oh yeah. It's a mini one, so yeah, it's or, like bright orange so plastic. The ones that suck your tongue. Oh yeah, but yeah. It's, there's something about it that's just kind of cool. <laughs> I want to get like recased and new bypass, but I, it's I twenty dollars. Like the the uh, chili dog. Yeah, the chili, the dog. The chili dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I actually used to modify the goat, 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 not goat daddies. The uh, that's a website. Daddy-o, right? Daddy-o, Daddy-o, yeah. 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 
And well, those uh, are the real pedals. Yeah, that's if you're talking about that, that little. Yeah, yeah these are like tiny. They were yeah. thin. They were tiny and thin before that was the fashionable thing to do. <laughs> yeah, they were like super <laughs> tiny. I got a tiny board and they're tight mounted jacks. So everything just kind of. Yep. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah, there was a guy. And this is back in 2002 or three. That was actually taking the guts out of those and rehousing them, and uh, people were loving it. So. Did he did he do something to where they didn't suck all the tone when they were off though? Yeah, he, a, he, yeah, he threw bypass. Oh, okay, because that's a problem with yep. those little. They had those little miniature pedal boards, those little oh, yeah, yeah. plastic pedal yeah. boards, and you put like six of them in a row, and and with all of them off, you just run your guitar through it, and you go, "Hey, wait a minute, well, where, where'd my signal go?" Well, you know what's funny is that's actually how I first started thinking about uh, buffers and like patch cables and everything. Is that I had about eight of those mini Dan Electro pedals on my board, and I was like. <laughs> I think I had gone from being plugged into my amp directly, and then I went and plugged in my pedal board, and I was like, I'm not a smart man, but something is different something about is this. definitely missing. And that's when I, one by one, I started adding them back in. I was like, God, well, I guess now i got to get new pedals. But <laughs> we, we apologize to Dan Electro for any grief. No, I, I they love were great you guys. pedals, but yeah. the, whatever buffer was in them was terrible. So. All right. and, <laughs> and you know what? And i got to say this, too. On, on my gigging pedal board, I actually have one of those little Dan Electro pedals too. I forget what it's called. It's the one that's called a reverb. It's called like, but it's but it's really just like bucket brigade delay. Right. And it's like instant, you know, like Elvis Presley, you know, Scotty Moore guitar tone in a box. You just hit it on and right. it's like that's the one thing it does. So, you know, yeah. Little tone sucking. <laughs> hey, there you go. Okay, here's, the, here's one from Tim Neely. He says, okay, what's the best time of day that you guys like to practice? Do you notice their tone sounds better at night? Uh, versus in the morning, for example, is there, is there a time of day that it's all you? Just it's temperature, it? pressure, humidity related. I like yeah, about twenty nine point nine seven millibars of pressure in the atmosphere. Is, I use those rules tone, for pooping. Tone wise or playing wise? Both. So the, the, it's kind of a two part the, question. The blues, so, the blues cannot be played before six o'clock in the evening. <laughs> it's not possible. It's 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 isn't that true? It's, been played if from you a, play it before six, it's the once. Not the <laughs> um, it's the happy. But no, I never thought. I never thought about that. I play when I'm in the mood, and when I'm not busy programming on Texas Blues Alley, <laughs> which is surprisingly little. Do you find that that's at night? Do you find that's in the morning? I mean, is there, is there a time that I can't nail it down to a time of day? But I will say, you know, they say that you know tube amps and that sort of and speakers are really sensitive to humidity and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys ever found this. Some days you plug into your rig, and it does not matter what you do, it sounds cold and sterile and brittle. Oh, and then the, literally, literally the next day, if the weather is different, it's there, you can't find a bad setting. After, it's really frustrating. After the front has went through, when the humidity is all cleared out. <laughs> no, it does. Make, well, think about it. Sound is a physical thing. Right. It's air molecules smacking into air molecules. Right. right. Right? And it's a relative, so it's a physical force. Sound travels slow, right? It's like 650 miles per hour. That's not fast. Right. Right? And, you know, and so as sound is traveling through this air, I mean, what those molecules really are, how much humidity in it, makes an enormous difference. So it's not even just the equipment, but your perception of what they're producing is affected by the humidity and stuff in the air. Oh, it's 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 enormous, and of course, the speed of sound actually travels completely at different speeds based on. I, I also teach at Vol State, and I teach acoustics yeah. and studio design and that kind of stuff, and you know, and I try to get my my students hip to this whole concept. But what you're talking about is so true, man. I mean, the sound at like a live concert or a festival that's outside you know when it's like a rainy day and all that is so different yeah. than after the front is passed and the air's nice and dry and all of that 
Plus, our, our bodies just love that anyway. Right. So, there you go. So the, the humidity so, thing is not just BS, man, there's some truth there. But I'll also say that sweet spot that I'm sure we've all been, you know, after the families went to bed and, you know, and it's one o'clock in the morning, it's two o'clock in the morning, whatever, and you actually just grab a guitar that at that moment feels right. You plug into an amp that at that moment feels right. Right. And, and it's just, you know, the lights are down, and it's nobody but you. Right. Like I said, you know, the family's all asleep. Man, that can be some, you know, some beautiful time to play. Yeah. I, mean, I think just, another just way works. to look at it is that in the evenings, I probably feel like playing. If I'm going to do, like, practice, practice, I probably am not in the right mental state to do that at night. That's probably something I'd have to do earlier in the day. Next. A morning person. It's evil. I just play to piss off my neighbors. I'm in a one-bedroom apartment in Bloomington, Indiana, so it's... <laughs> my neighbors get really mad, and I just crank that super reverb up. <laughs> I just do it to be annoying. So early morning or late night, you know? But, I mean, what is practice? I mean, does a, does a lion stretch before he takes down a gazelle? No. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I'm just good. Okay. No, that's false. I'm not really good. <laughs> what do we got I like next to pretend year? I am. Okay. I got one more question. We'll wrap this up. Speak into your mic. I got one more question. And this is one of them. Uh, what benefit does give... Hold on. Let me, let me try to... Read it in English. Trans- Mulligan. Okay. What benefit will a person get by upgrading from 250k pots to 500k <laughs> and it doesn't say which guitar so yeah well obviously the whole pot thing upgrade is a weird word there right because that's just a change how about, cha- yeah. how about change um, how about we change change it? yeah that's just a change now i will say this what benefit do you get say if you've got like you know an epiphone or a mexican fender or something that what benefit do you get just from going from their stock pots to really good pots mm-hmm. and a really good tone capacitor mm-hmm. you get a noticeable benefit there yeah. um and the benefit well one thing you know i i have a lot of nashville guitar players that come in and i replace their their pickups in their guitar form in my shop and i always do you know pots and tone caps at the same time right. um because and it's really great you know so i've got this big you know plastic bag full of tone pots that have came out of guitars, right? right? And, you, you know, and you put them on the bench and you realize they're all over the place. Oh, man, yeah. You know, I mean, the val- because they're putting in these these things that are sourced for like seven cents or something like that, right. and the quality control isn't there. So getting a quality pot that the specs really are what they're supposed to be, right. and it's consistent across the pot, and they're lubricated well, they feel good right. year after year, yep. that makes a huge difference. Um, I think... Tone capacitors make a difference in a huge way, too, for one reason, and that is if they really are what they say they are. Right. right. In other words, I don't, I, I have done comparison tests between like $100, you know, Holy Grail bumblebees right. and, you know, 59 cent tone capacitors. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear a difference in the capacitor unless it's a cheap capacitor and the value's way off. Right. And then it's enormous. Um, and, and the caps, and the pots are the two things you know that work together there, obviously. Yep. And yep. when it comes to a tone pot, beyond the shadow of a doubt, 500-250, we ain't talking upgrade. That's just different. Man, will, it be, will they a, notice a brighter tone, or what are they going to notice when they change strat, it? Strats, as far as I'm concerned, and this is, you know, I mean, I, you know, this has been since like 1950 or whatever. This has been, uh, you know, single coil pickups definitely sound better with 250k pots. Okay. They will, they will sound a little, a little harsh, a little bright with 500k pots. Um, there may be some people who like that, right? right? They want their strats to be a little harsh, a little extra bright. But the 500k pot will be a brighter pot than the 250. Gotcha. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, humbuckery, 
humbucker equipped guitars really require the 500k pot they're going to be a little bit too warm with the 250 in it right you know gibson has experimented over the years with like 300, 350, 400. Um, I think actually right now a lot of their guitars have 350s in them. I will say if you have a guitar that is, you know, like like the gigging strat that I use that's humbucker, single, single, right. that like 350 is a neat pot right. to have in there because it's a little bit of best worlds. Um, so that's my whole concept. Good quality pots, you know, 250 with single coils, 500 with humbuckers, and you can't go wrong. A, a decent quality cap that really is what it says it is. Right. Oh, by the way, caps. I'm going to mention this real quick too because this sure. is a, this is sure. this is really near and dear to my heart, and I'm now including tone caps with all my pickup sets because it's that damn important. Right. You know, I don't want somebody putting my pickups in and then coming back going, "Man, you know, it really doesn't sound that good." <laughs> because I'm going, "Well, wow, man, it's your Epiphone, you know, Les Paul with a stock, right. you know." So, but um, point one, UF caps on single coil pickups are the magic spot. That's what Leo originally chose. All of those holy grail strats from the 50s and uh, 60s and the holy grail tellies all had the .1 UF cap. Now we're not going to talk about like the old broadcasters with the .1 UF cap in line on the neck pickup. Right. <laughs> but, right. The, um, but as far as the tone cap, man, the .1, just a decent quality .1 on single coil pickups absolutely makes a big difference. And on humbuckers, the .022 mm-hmm. caps, which again are the original Les Paul right. standard, just a good quality cap, um, makes a big difference as well. Right now, most of the Les Pauls are coming out with the .022s. However, like Mexican strats, you know, and Squire strats, almost all have in them a .022 or a .047 cap, which makes it bright, brittle harsh combined with those bright brittle harsh ugly pickups yeah. um so if somebody's like replacing the pickups in their mexican strat right do the cap do the pots and then you've got a great sound guitar do you have a brand uh, like you mentioned that uh, higher price brands that have tighter tolerances is there a brand that you go to not you know it doesn't have to be the most expensive but that you would tell people to look at in terms of buying if they're going to replace the tone cap in their guitar i've actually had great results uh on the on the humbuckers on the .022s, great results with orange drops. I know okay. people are back and forth on them, but the, what is it? The 719P orange drops. I like them. Um, I also do like. Um, I forget the name of it. There is a company that's making reproduction bumblebees right now okay. that are very good. They're 50 bucks a piece. That's an expensive cap. Man. Yeah, I know. We need to start making capacitors. <laughs> they're they're very good on the sure. on the um, on the Strat sets. What I send out with all of mine are vintage Sprague um, ceramic caps. Okay. And and you know they're available all over. With the ceramic caps, the only thing you got to watch is tolerance, mm. because especially some of those old vintage caps, they'll be like plus twenty, minus eighty percent tolerance. Right. Yeah. Um, so you never know what yeah, value yeah, you're so getting. But but I but I got. You know, I got several boxes, right. several thousand boxes of these vintage spray, uh, you know, 10% tolerance ceramic caps. They're beautiful. Yeah. Cool. And they're available on eBay, too. And they're only like five bucks a piece. Cool. Well, that's all we got for now. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to pots, the more the better. <laughs> From Summer Nam. The Summer Nam. Yep. 2015. Woo! This is Max. Anthony. Steve, Anthony. <laughs> me. Brian. And Brian. Vaughn. Vaughn. See you guys. Thanks. Keep chasing that tune. (laughs) Keep chasing that tune. Watch this.